This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free Packet 8.net line. That's 1-800-259-9231. That's 800-259-9231. As we launch into hour number one, it is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show. We'll talk more about how you can vote for us a little bit later on. But all the features totally free. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you. For access to their websites, we do it free at freetalklive.com. Toby is joining us this evening, and uh, if, as we continue uh, perhaps to have him on uh, in the future, presuming uh, he's all comfy with doing the show tonight. And he's to good. More. You'll get to know more about him. That's also a factor. You'll get to know more about him. I expect uh, that he'll be pretty good because he's already the host of his very own television show, uh, which is called Free Minds TV, and it originates on a cable access channel, also uh, being broadcast, if you will, or promoted all over the Internet via freekeen.com. But it's actually originating here in Keen on uh, Cheshire Television. You're one of the hosts. There are more than one yep. uh, of Free Minds TV. And I, I guess, why don't you tell us just a little bit about what Free Minds TV is, since we haven't really talked about it very much on Free Talk Live. I've mentioned it. I promoted the fact that it's here, and I, yep. I'm proud of that. But we haven't really gotten into what it's about. Well, for, it's just a, it's a show about... Pro-liberty ideas, um, getting the government smaller. Uh, we focus on both national issues and local issues. We have some guests on. We had some uh, school board member on a couple weeks ago. This week we're going to have um, someone coming on from New Hampshire Coalition for Common Sense, um, the reform of marijuana laws in New Hampshire. Uh, to support, yes. uh, House Bill 92, which is really exciting um, in New Hampshire, trying to get bring some marijuana reform to the state. So You know, I'm really excited since you mentioned the uh, New Hampshire Coalition for Common Sense, which uh, their website, nhcommonsense.org. Yep. Uh, the thing I'm really excited about is just that coalition. Because oh, yeah. HB 92 is cool because it's essentially a decrim bill to the highest order in that, as I understand it, the bill itself will strike marijuana from all of the laws in the state essentially just making it uh, a legal status uh, or a, it certainly wouldn't be illegal at that point although at the federal level it, it still would be so i think hb92 is a pretty cool bill but i think everybody pretty much agrees that it's not going to pass in its current form that's right it's, it's in subcommittee right now and we don't know what they're going to do with it who knows They'll so probably gut it and yep. replace it with some mealy mouth crap but either it's, way it's still a it's a step in the right direction and new hampshire right now there we are the live free or die state, and it's about time that we get go with the reform that other states across the United States are passing. Yeah, a passing. good a good twenty percent, over twenty percent of uh, of the United States has passed some sort of uh, marijuana, either med medicinal marijuana legislation or ballot initiative or a marijuana decriminalization sort of uh, legislation as well. And so it's definitely the direction that popular culture is going in, and we really need to get out in front of this ball instead of uh, being one of the last states. We need to be the we need to be the uh, trailblazers, if you will, on this one. And that's why I'm so excited about uh, nhcommonsense.org because it's an organization that has essentially sprung up because of HB 92. They were planning on putting this group together, but it wasn't really moving too fast. You know how it is with potheads; they don't really. <laughs> They don't really get their butts in gear on, on things. No, they'd, ju they'd rather just go to jail or whatever if they get caught. But that's a stereotype, and it's an unfair stereotype, um, because in this case, 
the marijuana smokers, and I, I'm pretty sure most of the people behind NH Common Sense have smoked marijuana at some time in their lives. Actually, um, the treasurer has, is a 36- or a 46-year-old um, mother who has never tried it in her life. So no I think that's a little bit interesting. I was talking to uh, Matt Simon, who heads up the coalition, and he was telling me that, which I find pretty cool and pretty interesting. So That's good. There's a lot of support from it um, from both people who are marijuana users and non-marijuana users alike. So... I think it has a lot of support, a lot of people, the public interest is really supporting this, especially in New Hampshire. They say that one in ten people in New Hampshire is a user of marijuana. At least. At least, at least That's one a, in ten. Those are people who admit, admit it. it. Yeah, yeah, right. So um, so the cool thing was this bill came out, which happened to be sponsored by a representative named Weed. That always bears mentioning when it comes to HB92. This bill came out, and uh, NHCommonSense.org all of a sudden sprung into action. There was no, not much going on before the bill came out. Then they got word that this bill came out, and they said, all right, we better do something. They put together a, a, a kind of a, like a skeleton of a website. They got a, a petition online, and the petition essentially show, uh, asks people to sign it in to show support for HB92. And I believe they have over 1,600 signatures at this moment already. Within It's been no more than two months at this point. Um, so a relatively new organization already being successful enough to garner 1,600 signatures on the petition. I think this bodes well for the future. And now, here in New Hampshire, just essentially talking about some of the exciting things going on in the state here, here in New Hampshire, NHCommonSense.org has come out with what I consider a brilliant marketing device. It is a matchbook. And on the outside of the matchbook, uh, you know what, Sean, do you, I guess our producer here uh, handing me one of these There's matchbooks. There's a pot leaf. I saw that. There's a pot leaf. There is a, uh, there's a, like a martini glass. Oh, and people love these. I, oh, they, I just got them a couple days ago. I couldn't hold on to them. People, I'm a college student. People at the college at Keene State, they're just grabbing them up. They, they really, they really like them. They have a. They're simple. Uh, they're easy to understand. It's got a, it's got three pictures on the front of the matchbook. It's a pack of cigarettes at the top left. In the top right, there is a martini glass. And then in the bottom middle, there's the marijuana leaf. And it says, least harmful equals illegal. Below that, nhcommonsense.org. On the back side, there's a little picture of a man plus the marijuana leaf equals question mark, illegal. How's that common sense? nhcommonsense.org. Then you open it up on the inside. It says, let's unclog our courts and free up police to focus on real crimes. You choose what to put in your body, not politicians. Sign the petition. And once again, you look down and there's their website. I mean, the only thing they didn't do was make the... The uh, the match head's green. <laughs> I think that would have been the only other nice little touch. But otherwise, it's uh, it's a brilliant marketing device. And the idea is, and please, um, marijuana organizations around the country, borrow this idea. Because I really think it's going to be really effective. Uh, we've got essentially boxes of these things. There's 5,000 of them have been made. So Yep, and we've got several boxes here in Keene. They're being distributed all around the state. This is something that you can do as well. Of course, having a smaller state certainly helps because you can drive across the state and, and, uh, and deliver them. But get these things into places that are friendly to marijuana smokers like head shops. Uh, let's see. I know there's like a, a place around here called the 419 Eatery where they essentially serve munchy food or something like that. That, again, sounds like a perfect place. There's a hemporium here. Probably, um, you know, uh, music stores. That's that, an idea. Uh, individual music stores. You're not going to be able to pull this off at... Uh, Sam Ash or something like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, okay. like Sam Ash probably pop. not. Yeah. You know, just going back to uh, this bill and the support on it, I think it's great. This is the fifth time it's come up in um, the fifth 
year in a row it's a bill like this has come up and there hasn't been any support like this on the others i really think that it has a lot to do with the free state project members of course you guys coming here showing a great amount of support for it and there's lots of other people coming into the state um uh getting people like me involved who i'm a native here i probably wouldn't have even really known about this bill if uh other people like you guys and other free state project members who are really pushing this through um took the initiative and got involved with it and i think it's great and it really shows a strong amount of support for this and the legislatures and representatives i hope are at least starting to listen I, I think you're right about that. I mean, this bill has probably the best chance it's ever had of, of passing in, in the history of New Hampshire. I don't know if that means it's going to pass this time, but nonetheless. Also, um, the other important factor is, I guess the subcommittee is being headed up by some former police officer. And he's sort of this, like, Mr. Buzzcut type, uh, straight and arrow, straight edge kind of dude. He's heard it all. Yeah, and so what he's done is, I think he's trying to be sneaky, and he's just sort of put this bill on hold for the moment. There's no particular time at which it's scheduled to come up for review, so we're kind of waiting in limbo for the next step on this bill, and I think that that's a good thing because it's going to allow NHCommonSense.org to grow and to get that petition even more signatures. So that's fine. Go ahead and wait. You know, keep keep it on the back burner for a while as we continue to get these matchbooks all over the state and get people to sign this petition and get them aware of uh, of the bill and get them aware of NH Common Sense. Get them on the email list so that way when it finally does come up for uh, for a hearing or whatever, we can pack the room full of people or do whatever we need to do uh, to to activate on this. I think it's going to be this is going to be a really interesting uh, battle That's coming right. up. The longer we uh, we wait for this, the more the, we get to um, get the word out, and I think people will support it once they hear about it. 1-800-259-9231 is the toll-free packet8.net line. Since we're talking drugs, let's talk about ecstasy and cheerleading. Oh, yeah. boy. Two topics mixed together that everybody loves. Ecstasy and cheerleading. Or at least Ian. Which one do you think is more dangerous? 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. You can take control of the airwaves. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231, the packet8.net toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site totally free, so do enjoy those that are on us, and that does include archives an entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the site for your downloading convenience at freetalklive.com. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. That's LegalZoom.com. You know, whether you like it or not, there are, there are laws and uh, they are in effect, so... Some things need to get done in life, and you know what? I, it's it's never too early to have a will, is it? Uh, you, you should have one if you've yeah. got anything that anything. You should have a will if you if you because have assets. Otherwise, you have a will. the state's going to get it pretty much, yeah. or they're going to give get it and take half at the very least. So there you go, LegalZoom dot com. All right, eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We started out by talking about some of the efforts here in New Hampshire, or the uh, efforts by nhcommonsense.org dot org to decriminalize or legalize marijuana. And uh, let's move on. Since we're talking drugs, we'll talk about ecstasy and cheerleading from MAPS, the multidisciplinary arena for psychedelic studies. 
Association for Psychedelic Studies. Anyway, uh, Jag Davies reporting in January 8, 2006, Boston Globe article, The Most Dangerous Sport in School, reported on several instances of catastrophic, sometimes deadly, cheerleading accidents. Apparently, like taking prescription medications, living in a polluted city, and driving a car, recreational sports such as cheerleading are activities that our society views as having serious but acceptable risks. How, then, does this compare historically to the risks society deems unacceptable, such as those associated with recreational use of ecstasy? I did some research to find out. I focused on emergency room visit data, the most common indicator of cost to public health. For example, according to the Drug Abuse Warning Network, in 1994, nine years after MDMA was criminalized, but the first year for which data is available, there were 253 ER visits as a result of ecstasy use in the United States. 253. Mm-hmm. And that's one, in one year? Uh, yes. Okay. One year. 1994. Meanwhile, according to the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission in 1994, there were 15,792 wow. ER visits as a result of participation in organized cheerleading. That doesn't count the unorganized stuff. So basically 16,000 versus 250. That is very impressive. That's quite a yeah, quite a difference. I mean, I'm I'm rounding up on the cheerleading, but it's pretty close to sixteen thousand. Yeah, uh, by that well, I mean, if you'd include the uh, the unorganized cheerleading, like the practice sessions, the girls in their backyard on a trampoline or something like that, anything could. That's true. Yeah, there could be another thousand or two in there, maybe more. By that measure, in 1994, cheerleading was 62 times more of a threat to our nation's public health. Then was ecstasy. That's 62 times, not 62%. That's correct. Keep in mind that most users don't know whether their ecstasy is pure MDMA, so these statistics reflect the risks of using unregulated black market ecstasy, which often contains other substances and sometimes doesn't even contain MDMA. It's true. For instance, uh, I have actually seen some ecstasy pills being tested, and uh, it turned out that they weren't MDMA at all. Like, they were sold as MDMA at the price that they would be sold for uh, as MDMA, like $20 a pill, which is mm-hmm. what it goes for in the black market. And it uh, turned out it was just DXM. Yeah. Well, you can really Dexter never know what your street pharmacist is giving you. That's right. Um, and these are you, you can't return these for a refund. Um, dextromethorphan hydrobromide, in case you don't know, is a common cough medicine. That does, uh, if you take enough of it, have a, a hallucinatory effect, but it's, that's not why people take MDMA, and it's not even close. It's not even a relative of, uh, of MDMA. So It'll also loosen up chest conge- congestion. Yes. So it's just they were just scamming people. DXM is cheaper to produce, so they made a bunch of DXM pills that looked like they were MDMA pills and sold them for um, buku bucks. In 2001, when past-year ecstasy use reached its peak, the total number of past-year cheerleaders, that is 3.8 million, and ecstasy users, 3.25 million, were relatively similar. Still, past-year participation in organized cheerleading was four and a half times more likely than past-year use of ecstasy to have caused a medical crisis necessitating an ER visit. To look at those numbers another way, in 2001, out of one out of every 152 organized cheerleading, cheerleading participants sought ER treatment. You know, that's pretty. Those are pretty high odds of uh, of getting injured. It, well, it's it's a kind of a dangerous sport, as they say. You know, girls get tossed and guys too, but mostly girls get tossed around, and um, you know, they they get on these towers of humans. And right. That, I, I wonder. Out of, I mean, if if one out of every 152 cheerleaders gets uh, an ER visit every year. Then uh, what are the uh, I mean how's that compare to the football players like I think one out of sixty or something I played football in high school and there were always a lot more cheerleaders hurt than there were football players that's actually true. interesting 
I guess the, the cheerleaders aren't uh, wrapped up. They don't have uh, safety pads or anything like that on. Football players aren't uh, aren't 20 feet above the ground either. And they're supported they, only by uh, other girls. They also don't weigh 110 pounds usually. So Right. Uh, hey, that so, means they don't hit as hard, though. They don't hit the ground quite as hard. Note, this data does not account for the differences between users. A cheerleader who practices daily and an ecstasy user who takes the drug once a month are both counted here simply as participants. It's also worth noting that a study of ER admissions in the Netherlands found that most patients, 89%, with an ecstasy-related complaint did not require treatment beyond the initial visit with a doctor. So it sounds like what happened was, you know, something unusual occurred and uh, they maybe they felt funny or whatever. They got scared. And they got scared and they went into the ER. Turns out there wasn't really anything to be scared about. And uh, the consult- consultation with the doctor was all they needed. So even, you know, 90% almost of those ecstasy-related ER visits weren't anything serious. In 2003, uh, Dawn, which is uh, once again the Drug Abuse Warning Network, in 2003, they implemented a new methodology for calculating drug-related ER visits, and my estimate of 4,442 for that year is based only on data available. An interim, for, uh, an, istr- an interim estimate from July to December of 2003 of 2,221. In 2004, once the new dawn had been implemented, their ecstasy for ecstasy, or their in- estimate for ecstasy-related ER visits nearly doubled to 8,621. Uh, so. Just say no to cheerleading. Do these statistics mean that cheerleading should in, uh, should join ecstasy in the shadowy underground of prohibited activities? Most would argue that cheerleading offers benefits that balance its risks, and that with careful preparation and education, these benefits make the risk of injury an acceptable one, even for young people. Unfortunately, the public debate on ecstasy is limited by both an exaggeration of risks and a silence on benefits. Without a clear look at the actual impact of its use on individuals and on society, the costly decision to prohibit ecstasy is difficult to justify. As mentioned earlier, most of the risks associated with ecstasy are a direct consequence of uh, prohibitionist public policy. These risks include poor access to realistic harm reduction educational materials, (coughs) in that uh, the government's essentially what they talk about when it comes to ecstasy is don't do it. They don't give you any honest information about the drug. They just say, just say no. Health risk, oh, and then they lie to you and they claim that it puts holes in your brain, dime-sized holes in your brain. Eats up your spinal cord? Uh, is that one of the lies? I don't recall that it, one. It could be. Maybe that's maybe that's an LSD one. Health, I'm not exactly plugged into this uh, particular underground uh, lifestyle. Health risks related to ingesting unregulated material and delay in medical treatment due to fear of criminal prosecution, imprisonment, stigma, and employment discrimination, even in rare situations when ecstasy does cause acute health-related problems and or dependence, abuse, or addiction, prohibition accentuates these problems. In fact, I was actually recently talking with um, some people in the medical field, and I was shocked that these people who were dealing with uh, drug users didn't know what MDMA was. I had to tell them ecstasy. I had to remind them that it was ecstasy that I was talking about. They had no idea what MDMA was. I mean, these are the so-called experts. More on the way, this is your show. It is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the packet 8.net toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. 
And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. We've got all kinds of features, and they were all created, uh, well, not all of them, but uh, the wiki was created by you, listeners like you at least, over a thousand pages uh, created by our listeners. It's like the listener editable version of our website. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. That's wyki.freetalklive.com. February's winner of the Lysander Spooner Award, Radicals for Capitalism. It's a freewheeling history of the modern American libertarian movement by Brian Doherty. It outlines both the history of libertarianism and its true influence yet to come. Check this out and many other books and videos on liberty at lfb.com. That's laissez-faire books, lfb.com. So just a few more thoughts from uh, the good people over at MAPS. MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, a group that's essentially devoted to doing real serious research into the drugs that the government says you're not even allowed to research. And they've actually managed to get, I believe, permission from the DEA in the past few years to actually do uh, clinical trials on MDMA, which, in case you don't know, is the actual chemical behind the scary term ecstasy. Uh, that's what uh, that's one of the things MAPS is doing. They're also doing uh, studies on marijuana, LSD, etc. But they've come out with a, a story that compares the risks of using black market ecstasy as far as how many people go to the emergency room to people in the legal sport of cheerleading. And it turns out that there's a tremendous differential between the amount of people that go to the emergency room for cheerleading versus ecstasy. I mean, if you just believe what the government says about drugs, then you'd think that uh, ecstasy users were one in two or one out of three uh, going to the emergency room. You'd think that these drugs are just so terribly dangerous when, in fact, I mean, the statistics just don't bear it out. And as MAPS points out, the only one of the reasons why and 89% of those emergency room visits for MDMA use are really lightweight stuff, just people getting freaked out and going in and getting calmed down once they're there. Nothing actually serious happening. Now, on the other hand, those other 10, 10 or 11%, those are serious incidents, and they deserve to be ser- taken seriously. And the reason why many of those happen are because of the black market, uh, the black market existence of this product. As Maps points out, the health risks rel- uh, related to ingesting unregulated material. That's got to be the number one or the number two problem when it comes to this particular drug or any drug on the black market. And that is that when you're taking something that is sold as ecstasy, you buy it in a club from some strange guy, you don't know what you're putting in your body. It's just a fact. Um, even when you're buying from somebody that you know, you don't really know what you're putting in your body. Uh, the only way to know, to come close to knowing, is to run a test kit on it. And they do sell test kits. Uh, an organization called Dance Safe, DanceSafe.org, will sell you for 50 bucks uh, a very comprehensive test kit. You can test your ecstasy for speed. You can test it for other adulterants, things that are uh, DXM, things that are frequently passed off as ecstasy but aren't actually. And now, when you think about cheerleading versus um, ecstasy, I don't know. Do you think more kids do ecstasy than do cheerleading? I would, I would certainly certainly we talked about the how, numbers many, are, how often people do it. You know, um, the numbers are 3.8 million past year cheerleaders versus 3.25 million ecstasy users. So similar, similar numbers, pretty similar numbers. Yeah. But like I said, um, you know, cheerleaders practice almost daily, whereas ecstasy users probably don't. Probably not. Most of them probably weekend warriors. I'm just getting a, trying to get an idea here. 
So, again, talking about the health risks of ingesting a black market substance that's completely unregulated. When a, mar- when a substance is created in the marketplace, it's created in a laboratory environment, whether it be Pfizer or Merck or whatever the GlaxoSmithKline, whatever the company is that's manufacturing it, it's done in a laboratory with very precise measurements, with what they call quality control. That's right. I mean, you go into Walgreens, and if you were allowed to buy ecstasy there, there would be nothing wrong with the product. Um, You wouldn't have to worry about what some person put in it trying to make an extra few bucks. There would be quality controls, like you said, and if it was bad, you would have someone to go to. If you get bad ecstasy, you can't go and find whoever sold it to you. Um, You can't call the police on them. And if you you do find them, it's it's not going to be good. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, I I guess it's a shootout. I don't know. Yeah, it's not worth it. I mean, it's not worth shooting somebody over a couple... Bucks. Just like the uh, the front page of the Leap.cc website, it, it shows uh, Al Capone and Pablo Escobar and says these are the same guys doing the same thing. Yeah, I don't want to mess with either one of those guys. No. Uh, so there are serious risks, not only because you don't know what you're putting in your body, but also because of the black market effects, ecstasy users are driven underground. So not only is the product underground, but the usage is also driven underground in that you're taking ecstasy on a uh, sort of a secret basis. You don't tell people that you're taking ecstasy. Nobody knows what you're doing. Um, You have to keep it quiet. You can't be uh, forthcoming about it. And so that that scares a lot of people away from getting treatment, from getting help, because they're worried that they might get turned over to the police. They're worried they might spend a night in jail. Um, Taking ecstasy, for instance, can, uh, if you're getting the real thing, or in a lot of cases, just a lot of drugs, will dehydrate uh, an individual. And in many cases, um, MDMA is sold in club environments where there are typically uh, what they call raves uh, or parties going on, lots of loud uh, music, a lot of dancing going on. And these young people, a lot of young people taking it, not that it's only young people, but a significant chunk of them are, are probably under the age of 25. Probably a safe bet. Um, These are people who are taking these pills, and they're at parties where in many cases they've turned off the water, in the bathrooms because they want to sell bottled water at 4 or $5 a bottle and they don't want people going into the bathrooms and giving themselves water. These are underground parties that are going on um, because they're illegal. The raves themselves in many areas of the country are actually illegal. It's illegal to hold these parties without permits and that sort of thing. But they hold them anyway. It's just like any other black market consequence. There's always consequences in the black market. Every time you stray outside the legal market, there's going to be unintended consequences. Unfortunately, the unintended consequence in this case are your kids dying. That's right. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff because if they can't get access to water and they're dancing and they don't realize that they need to have that water, they haven't been educated appropriately because the government propaganda machine doesn't tell you these things, they don't know that they need to have a constant supply of water, they get dehydrated and they could possibly die from from major dehydration. But this is one of the ways that these kids are, are croaking. If they got it at the pharmacy, if they went to Walgreens and picked it up, there would be warning labels on the package. There would be sure. a label that said, you need to have water at all times with this and directions yeah. there would be directions on how to take it where to take it what kind of environment to be in just like with other drugs people don't know what they're doing they can get into trouble but toby if we put these drugs in grocery stores then kids could get their hands on them oh of course i know that for most people it's easier to get a bag of marijuana if for a young person in school it's easy to get a bag of marijuana than it is to get alcohol Clearly, the I've seen it as I've seen it reported as I think Jack Cole from Law Enforcement Against Prohibition this weekend at the Liberty Forum said that it's not only is it easier for kids to get marijuana than it is for them to get alcohol, but also cigarettes. 
So it's easier for them to get illegal products than it is to get legal products. It's just how it is. It's just a fact. So if you want to keep uh, drugs out of the hands of kids, put it in the hands of merchants who care instead of drug dealers in the black market. You don't see drug dealers peddling packs of cigarettes. You don't see drug dealers selling alcohol to young teens. I mean, it just doesn't happen. When you take it out of the black market, it's perfectly fine and it's acceptable to do. You know, I don't know. When I was uh, when I was a teen, and and this was an issue for me, uh, getting cigarettes or getting mm-hmm. marijuana and that kind of thing. Not that I um, at the time really cared about getting marijuana that much, but it seemed like cigarettes were easier to get. But I suppose they were both very readily available to me. I, I, right. All I had to do was talk to the right people. And as a kid, you know a lot of people because you're in high school, and it's you can possible get this that it may be easier now because you were in high school 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's possible that over two decades, marijuana has become even more prolific. It's possible. I'm not. I'm not buying it these days, so I don't know. It's actually difficult for me to get cigarettes if I don't have my ID. Sometimes uh, the government's cracking down so much on uh, checks to make right. sure that they're not selling to underage users. That a long time ago it might have been a lot easier, but today it can be difficult if you're if you look 25 and you don't I have your rarely, ID on you. I rarely, rarely bought cigarettes myself. I mean, I sent somebody else in to do it for me, but they were going, and you know, you just gave them money, and and that's just how easy it was. As Maps finally wraps up their report, the economic cost of prohibition of certain drugs is also risky public policy, as billions of dollars are spent every year on propaganda, law enforcement, mandatory treatment, and prisons, foregoing billions of dollars from regulation and taxation that could be spent on other things. But I think that we should be able to keep our money in the first place. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That is the packet, 8.net. Toll free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there, totally free, though um, we do ask that you voluntarily support us. By, for instance, voting for the show. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. It'll take you less than a minute's time. And it makes a big difference for us because when you vote for Free Talk Live, then it uh, helps push us up the charts, the podcast charts, that is, uh, which we've been number one and number two all month long so far this month. It's been a record-breaking month. And overall, I'm very, very pleased with how we've done. Unfortunately, the only thing that would have made this month perfect would be to finish at number one. Mm -hmm. At this point, it looks like it's going to be very difficult to attain that because we're something like 180 votes behind number one right now. We're number two. It's kind of unusual for us to to finish at number one anyway, isn't it? I mean, I don't think we've never finished at number one. Right. Finishing at number two is good for us. We Um, finished at number two before. 180 votes behind. I I can live with this. And we're fairly, uh, last time I looked, we were fairly far ahead of the number three show. 906 votes. uh, Which is awesome because we used to have trouble with those guys. Uh, we've really done a great job, and you guys have done a great job, because it's you that go and vote every single month for us at vote.freetalklive.com. Still time for you to get your votes in this month, maybe to push up our final vote totals. And, of course, it'll all reset when March comes around, and we'll ask you once again to vote for Free Talk Live. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. And we've been talking about, all hour long here, the drug issue, talking about marijuana, MDMA, which of course is ecstasy, the black market, and how it puts dangerous drugs in the hands of kids, and uh, possibly sending them to the emergency room as a result of their usage. It's something that needs to be brought to an end, And 
of course, if you want to comment on that, you're welcome to. But since we've got Toby here um, from Free Minds TV, excellent television program, now actually airing live here in Keene and uh, in recorded form online at freekeen.com. You can get pretty much every episode. So there's is, a couple lost ones. Yeah, there's a couple lost episodes. Um, but otherwise, you're doing a really good job, a good job of getting them up there in a timely manner. I think you're maybe like a week trailing behind each show. So internet, list, internet viewers don't get to see it live, but they do get uh, the program. And you guys have covered a number of issues on the show, including uh, drug legalization. That's right. Have you ever covered anything beyond marijuana, or have you just kind of stuck to that so far? So far, episodes? we've been sticking to marijuana. We haven't ventured outside that line right now, but once again, we're just getting started, so I'm sure eventually we will be straying into other things. I mean, right now, what's most important to me is getting through the marijuana issue. I mean, it's more people are being arrested for this than really should be. It's, then all it's the other crazy. drugs combined, pretty That's much. Right. Almost. I mean, the war on drugs seems to be a war on marijuana. And yeah. I, I think that you have to start the battle somewhere. And so we're we're trying to start it here um, with legalizing marijuana and stop arresting friends and family members. Have you gotten in, because that's what it is, and it's a war on the people, not a war on drugs. But have you gotten any response that's negative on that particular issue? I know that you, um, I'm on the sort of the email distribution list, so whenever uh, somebody sends an email to the show, I get it. So I saw one come through recently from a Korean War veteran who was positive towards legalizing marijuana, and that's good, because normally you think, well, right. older people, they're less likely to be for this issue, but apparently that um, that guy was, was on our side. I wonder if you've heard, I know you take live calls, and I just I just haven't had time to watch all the shows. Has anyone called in to, uh, to, to face off with you on this one? All the responses we've gotten so far have been positive. It it's seems so hard it to really get a drug is. warrior out of the woodwork on this. And not only that, but it also seems the people are speaking. The people want this to be legalized. I right. mean, they understand that it's a plant. You and get they to, know their friends are using it. That's right. And because one, in, like we said before, one in ten people in New Hampshire admits to the, using marijuana. That's a whole lot more do, and every single person at least knows someone who uses. Of course, uses if they don't use themselves. And most people, um, it. it there's a good large percentage, especially under a certain age demographic, have smoked marijuana. And, I mean, I yeah. can't imagine how those people... 50% of parents... ...justify to themselves the, the drug war, the, the idea that it's a good thing. I mean, shouldn't they go turn themselves... In? Shouldn't Bill Clinton have done some time for the, uh, you know, smoking on that marijuana cigarette? Well, how the politicians justify anything they do, I don't understand. But I think most people just don't think about it. You know, most people, if they smoked it back then, if they smoked it in the 70s or whatever, and they quit, and they haven't smoked it in 30 years or 20 years, they're not thinking about marijuana. And they may know that their friends, some of their friends smoke it, but they probably think to themselves, well, Jimmy smokes it at home. He's not going to get in trouble for smoking it at home. I mean, why why should I bother uh, wasting my time lobbying to change this? Most people aren't just aren't concerned with the issue, which is why we need to get out there and uh, promote the issue, bring it to the forefront, and say, hey, look, hey, even though you don't smoke it now, there are still uh, 700,000 plus people in the United States. That's half the population of the state of New Hampshire getting arrested. Close to 800,000. Yeah, getting arrested every single year for sm- for possession, most of it, simply possessing marijuana. We've got to get the numbers and the statistics in their faces to remind them that there is a war going on against their friends and family members. And, yeah. I mean, most marijuana smokers get away with it, I'm sure. I mean, they they smoke it in their homes, nobody finds out, they don't get pulled over, and they get away with it, and so they're sort of lackluster as far as wanting to change the rules. But, man, there are so many good reasons to, to change the rules. 
Uh, I mean, That's right. I mean, I really think the tide is changing. We have a, a segment we do sometimes called uh, the Keen Question, where we go out and we interview people and ask them a quick question. Do you think right. marijuana should be legalized? There was one gentleman who said no out of the tens or 20 people we asked. He was a very old gentleman, probably looked like he was about 85 or 90 years old, and mm. he was probably more Former of cop. the <laughs> former cop, or he believes the lies that the government has been putting out. It right. Was, you didn't prep anybody when you asked him that question. You just no. asked him the question. And you didn't ask him why or anything after that. You just nope. asked him the question. Just the question and go. Um, we didn't tell him what our stance on it was. It was just a quick question. And Well, I mean, if you... If you're asking the question, we know what your stance is. Uh, that's probably, probably true. Probably, yeah, that's true. The rest of the people aren't asking themselves this particular question. It's just, it's right. just true. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the pack at eight dot net toll free line. Now here in Keene, New Hampshire, where we're broadcasting this show from, uh, I know that Toby, you're going to possibly be running for. Uh, you're pretty much confirmed to run for office here in town. That's right. Which I think is is awesome, and uh, it's not just going to be you. It's going to be what we're going to do. And I don't. I, this may be unprecedented. I've never heard of it happening before. I don't know. I would love to know from somebody out there if there's ever been a group run for office like this. I mean, beyond we're Republicans and we're Democrats, because it's a municipal election, it's a city election, so there are no parties involved. Has there ever been in the history of municipal elections a group of people that are tied together somehow? In this case, they're all going to be on the website together, freekeen.com. You're basically a political party. You've started your own yeah, political party. But it's party. not a political party. It's it not is. registered with the state. Well, it's, it's not, not political. It, and uh, Yes, it is. It's absolutely it's, political. It's apolitical. It's out for the destruction of politics. I don't I disagree. As far as I'm concerned. I mean it, it That's be, how I see it. Yes, you well, may disagree, but you don't blo- party. you don't post on the blog. In fact, I'm going to pull you down at the end of this season if you don't, I don't like p- to write. I don't like to type things. I you know, I I stopped doing that stuff in school. This Sorry. isn't an assignment. Well, actually you do have an assignment, Mark. You either post something by the end of winter or I'm yanking you. Oh boy. I don't know. I think it's great. I think a lot of people underestimate the power of local politics. Um, the city council actually does have a great deal of power. They have the power to tax. They have the power to regulate. And, and get, they have the power to destroy taxes. That's right. They do. Regulations. And that's what we're hoping to do. We're hoping to get a lot of people out there to vote because most people don't vote in these elections. But I think that if they see candidates running that are for s- lower taxes, smaller government, scaling the government back... Some people will come out and vote, and it really doesn't take that much to get the wave, the ball rolling. In. I hope you're right. I'm not sure how much it's going to take. I don't have much experience working in municipal elections, That's, and so we're, a lot of us are going to be getting that experience yeah. this year. But nonetheless, you're absolutely right that people, they just don't care about city elections. And why don't they care? Well, the reason why is because people are so burned out on politics that they understand that usually it's Tweedledee and Tweedledum. You pick one, and then they go and rule your life. I mean, that's what it is. If you're voting in a municipal election, nobody's doing anything radically different. They all want to create more taxes and more government programs, and it's always the same. Why bother turning out for that? Why bother going to vote? I don't blame most people for avoiding those elections. So our idea is to give them something original, something radical, radically different uh, to vote for. I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and hopefully we can get some people in office and make some changes here. I agree, and that's why I think what's going on here in Keene is so exciting, and that's why we're seeing some 
people actually coming here. Mark, you and I just met with a couple of our listeners today. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had uh, we had a listener come in last week. It's it's a little heavy on the listener count uh, because of the Liberty Liberty Forum, Forum yeah. Uh, but a couple of listeners who were at the forum came out to Keene today, and they said, "Yeah, we really like Keene because uh, it's bigger than we thought it was going to be. You know, it really does have all the amenities that uh, that one needs, all in sort of a a small town environment." So it's it's comfortable to live here, and at the same time, it's small enough to where we can actually have this effect uh, and be newsworthy just by virtue of entering into this race. And, of course, we also have our own libertarian media here in town in the form of Free Talk Live and our friend Eric Scott on the air, Free Minds TV. We're back with more here in moments. Hour number two's coming up. Your calls about whatever's on your mind at one 800 259 on the way tonight, should sex with a dead dog be legal? That's what I want to know. <laughs> what? You tell me. This is Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airways via the toll-free number. 800-259-9231 is the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. And it is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. That is, once again, freetalklive.com. Enjoy it. It's on us. Let's go to the phones to start things out this hour. On the way, we're going to talk about dead dogs and sex, believe it or not. Oh, um, no. And uh, But first, it's Evan in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hello, Evan. Thanks for putting me on. You know, I've listened to you guys for a couple of days, and when I heard you talk about drug prohibition, I just had to get on. What's up? What's on your mind? Uh, the other, well, I hope no one's, you know, no cops losing this. The other day, uh, I actually, I had saw a bit of marijuana, and it is literally now more difficult to get a lighter than it is, or, or cigarettes. <laughs> you know, or, I mean, it is more difficult to get a lighter than it is marijuana. Are they carding for lighters in Virginia now? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they card for lighters now. So wow. Since since uh, marijuana is completely illegal, it's easier for me to get that than a lighter. You know, I don't know. Is that a law? Is that a law or is it a store policy? Because as I understood it down in Florida, it wasn't. Uh, I don't think it was a law, but there were some places where, like, you would scan the lighters and it would ask, it would say on the little cash register readout that you should check ID. I didn't. I didn't feel like it was something that they had to do because if they had to do it, they would have checked it, and they they never checked ID on me on that one. Well. And here in Virginia, if you go to any convenience store and you try, they they, they ask for ID. And since I'm 16, you know, not going to happen. Wow. Yeah. Now, what about matches? Uh, yeah, uh, matches still not still not carding. They card for uh, spray paint now. They card for pretty much everything. Hmm. <laughs> everything fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, since marijuana is so legally legal, not that. And so you're telling me that Home Depot's going to card you on spray paint? Yeah. Well, wow. Everywhere nuts. I go, I get carded. I'm fine with Home, Home Depot uh, uh, carding on spray paint. I'm just not fine with uh, there being a law that they have to. I mean, right. lighters, though. Lighters are like, you know, if you ever want to start a... F- I mean, there's just no reason to card for, I mean, lighters. Yeah, what if you're in the Boy Scouts or something? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I was just thinking there's so many legitimate uses for lighters. Yeah, they it's really anyone absurd. under 18 starting a fire? Yeah, it's just absolutely ludicrous. I mean, as you point out, um, just because you can't go and get the lighter at Walmart doesn't mean you can't go over to your uncle's pack of cigarettes if you're 10 years old or whatever, pull the lighter out of it. He's never going to know where it went. He'll go and buy another one. He'll figure he put it somewhere, and now you've got yourself a nice bick that at uh, the age of 10 will last you forever. Yeah. So just uh, just absolutely absurd. And the, the idea that we need these laws to keep these things out of the hands of kids 
is it's just it doesn't work. You can't yeah, prohibit gu- you can't prohibit guns, you can't prohibit drugs, and you can't prohibit lighters. Yeah, drug prohibition has made it literally easier for me to get marijuana than alcohol, lighters, spray paint, cigarettes, anything that's legal. How it's, easy you know, is it for you? How easy is it? Uh, I I I have any of my friends. I could uh I for marijuana and, and so you've I, got I, a selection of dealers. You can actually call up one dealer and uh, and base and get a price from him. Call up another one and get oh, a price yeah, from I him. Did, I mean, you don't. I don't need to call someone up. I mean, I have I have seven classes a day. At least three of those classes. <laughs> Is I it available on campus every day? I'm in high school, so no. Like, it would be available like if I was going to drive to their house afterward. But I was going to say you're still cool to deal dr- deal drugs on campus. That's yeah, right. Oh, and I I had an interesting story the other day. Uh, one of one of our students, you know, he gave alcohol to another student. Now he's suspended indefinitely hmm. for well, alcohol. So he did it on school campus. Yeah. Yeah. At a dance. So zero tolerance policy. I could, I could I could assault someone and get less than that. It's just absurd. Probably true. Evan, and thank you. Kid's hmm? A nice kid, everyone likes him, but now he's not going to school anymore here just because alcohol. <laughs> he gave someone a little bit of tequila. It's, it's absurd. Hey, now he can stay at home and drink. Evan, thanks yeah, for the exactly. call. Appreciate hearing from you, man. Great one. 800-259-9231. There you go. You heard it straight from the mouth of a 16-year-old. Easier to get pot than anything else. Now, the kid can probably go to one of those um, bad kids' um, high schools after that. I'm not saying that I think that it's the right solution, but you know he's probably still got... Yeah, that's a great idea. It's sort of like a, a little mini jail for kids. So let's right. take the bad kids and put them all together with the other bad kids. <laughs> I'm sure good things are going to come out of that. He was drinking alcohol before. Let's see what other drugs he gets into once he hangs out with the bad kids at the bad kids' school. Didn't we have... Uh, I think we had a girl call in about six months ago from Sarasota, our former stomping ground. And she had gone to one of the bad kids' schools. Mm-hmm. And as she described it, it was just terrible. I mean, as far as uh, kids doing cocaine outside of class and uh, just all kinds of bad things going on. You imagine that. You put bad kids together, you get even worse results. Just... I ended up at the bad kids' uh, school in uh, my Did senior you? year, and there wasn't, uh, there wasn't what cocaine. Would your, what would your Christian, Christian school teachers think of that? Well, if I would have stayed at the Christian school, I would have never ended up there. But, Probably. Yeah. 1-800-259-9231 is the pack at 8.net toll-free line for you. So I wanted to talk about what's inevitably going to be a pretty controversial topic. And you have to be careful with this one. I mean, I don't want it to sound like we're pandering or anything, but this is a real news item, okay? From MLive.com, Bay County Circuit Judge Joseph K. Sheeran ruled Friday that even though Michigan law does not explicitly define sex with You said with a Bay d- County, and I was sure we were talking about Florida. Nope, it, you know, you, generally, it's Florida when you're talking about weird, dumb news. Doesn't explicitly define sex with a dead dog as a crime... Charges against a Saginaw man will stand. Sheeran set a trial date of May 8th for the trial when Ronald E. Kuch, 48, Kuch, K-U-C-H, Kuch, of Saginaw will face charges of sodomy, indecent exposure, and resisting and obstructing an animal control officer. This sounds really funny. <laughs> uh, if convicted of either of the first two charges, Kuch, K-U-C-H, give me, give, me, give me a pronunciation on this, K-U-C-H, Kuch? Kuch. Cooch will then have a hearing on May 30th at which Sheeran will determine whether Cooch is a sexually delinquent person. If so, the judge could sentence Cooch to prison for any amount of time, from one day to a year, on top of the sentence from the initial uh, the initial charges, which might carry up to 15 years in prison. Mm. Cooch's defense attorney, Catherine Fairman, argued that Michigan's statute on sodomy and bestiality is vague and doesn't outlaw sex with a dead dog. 
Cooch is accused of sexual contact with the carcass of his girlfriend's dog. He had a girlfriend? <laughs> On October hell? 20th, <laughs> about a week after the animal had been hit. Ooh. A week? Ew. Oh, my God. This There's got to be some kind of maggots at that point. This guy is just messed up. A week after the animal had been hit by a car, the alleged crime occurred near a daycare Boy, center. i got to keep this thing around. The teacher was leading an animal control officer to the dead dog so he could dispose of it when the pair discovered Cooch who allegedly scuffled with the officer before fleeing into the woods. So, he was caught in the act. Oh, my God. Fearman Fearman asked Sharon to overrule the district judge who found probable cause that a crime had been committed and that Cooch was the perpetrator, but Sharon said Fearman's interpretation of the sodomy law, which outlines outlaws crimes against nature and bestiality as well, was off base. He said she, quote, attempts to use textualization to read the meaning out of the statute and argue that morality has no place in the law. Furman had said in previous written and oral arguments that a dead dog is not an animal and therefore cannot be violated against its will. I mean, after all, how can a dead dog have a will? It doesn't exist anymore. It's a carcass. Oh, my God. Sheeran said the purpose of the sodomy law is to protect is not to protect a specific victim necessarily, but, quote, to protect people from debasing and dehumanizing themselves. Hmm. Such laws also protect I think society. that guy did that pretty successfully. Oh well, he wasn't protected from it. He did it. No, yeah, he debased and dehumanized. So himself. the law didn't work in that particular no. case. Such laws also protect society, says uh, the judge, and quote prevents people from acting like animals themselves. No, sir, the the law didn't prevent any of that. Uh, Sheeran also upheld all the law's going to do is result in us putting a dog effer in jail Dead for fifteen effer. years. It seems they've they've definitely caught all the rapists, murderers, and yeah, violent. Violent criminals out there. I, no. I, you know, I don't know how you do this, but you managed to get me to advocate the most disgusting things. What do you mean? Well, I, you I think it should be legal, right? I, I think it should be legal. Yeah. Well, now what? He, now I don't think it should be legal necessarily. I'm not I mean, advocating it either. I, I don't think he should be brought up on uh, sodomy charges, but I don't. I do think that in the in the world of government that we have today, the indecent exposure charge probably should stick. He he should have brought the dog home. Yes, exactly. Should have brought the carcass home, and then he could have had his fun. He wouldn't have gotten caught, and this wouldn't be a case. Sheeran also upheld the indecent exposure charge. He said it was irrelevant whether the patch of woods where the alleged crime was committed was public or private property. He says there was substantial risk that someone might be offended. If he didn't want to be observed, why did he commit it during the day near a daycare center, Sheeran said, saying that Cooch didn't commit the act accidentally or inadvertently. Yeah, yeah I don't think you could ever commit an act like that on accident. Wh- whoops! <laughs> Yeah. How um, awful. Do you think that this guy should be charged with sodomy? Should having sex with a dead dog or any dead animal be illegal? 1-800-259-9231. I say no. As disgusting, as despicable as it might be, as weird as it is, it should be fully legal so long as done in the privacy of your own home. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line for you. And it is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. That does include the updates. You get signed up and we'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com, the place to go. That's updates.freetalklive.com to get signed up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. 
org. Well, if the dog story wasn't enough for you, talking about uh, the question of whether or not it should be illegal to have sex with a dead dog, and I still want to hear from you on that at 800-259-9231, I'd like to hear from someone that thinks it should be illegal. I mean, in this in the case that we're talking about here, this sicko uh, who apparently had a girlfriend at the time, the dog got hit by a car, was laying on the side of the road for what apparently was a week. I don't really understand. I mean, he didn't, nobody apparently drugged the dog inside or buried the dog. The dog was just sort of allowed to be in, I guess it's Michigan and it's cold out. Plenty cold. It probably was fairly well preserved. But uh, the guy apparently dragged the dog into the woods and started having sexual activity with it. It is near a, a strange story. Near a daycare center. And so uh, apparently the daycare operator saw something going on, went out there, and uh, and caught the guy in heat, if you will. And uh, I think that while it's definitely an indecent exposure charge, there shouldn't be any sort of sodomy charge in, involved. The dog is dead. He didn't kill the dog. A car killed the dog. And so if you think that he should be charged uh, with sodomy, I'd like to hear from you uh, also, on the way, more animal stories, this time rats, and it's not sexual. But uh, first, let's go to the phones and talk to John in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hi. How are hey, you John. doing, fellas? Doing great. What's on your mind? Well, actually, uh, several people on the web forum just uh, requested that I call in and uh, have uh, change the subject. They're a little disgusted. But uh, the question I really have is, um, how much would it cost me per month in amplifier dollars to have you ban a person from your web forum, <laughs> particularly the gentleman who outed Mark as a, a criminal. Ba- Balapuran is yeah, uh, what his name is gentleman. on the forum. I don't understand. Yeah, I, I, we've gotten so many complaints about him recently. I don't understand why people just don't ignore him. There's an ignore button on every single person's name on the forum, and yeah. if more people would just ignore the guy, he wouldn't have anyone to talk to anymore. Why don't people I, I try that? You know, he has a tendency to start threads with particular users' names in them with death threats in them, right in the, right in the title of the thread. Death can't really threats? Avoid that. There are death threats going out Absolutely. over the Absolutely. He said that he would, pay, he would pay money to see me killed on a webcam, as a matter of fact. All right. Well, that's a little more serious, I guess. Yeah, it's a bit of a problem. So, you know, I would be willing to pay cash money monthly to, hmm. to be rid of that guy. I would hire you guys as my DRO. I don't know death threats. I, you don't really think he's serious. Well, it, you don't it have to really think whether you don't have to. It. it doesn't matter whether somebody's serious or not. If you're making a threat, you're making a threat. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's that's... not my job to arbitrate whether some fat loser in uh, Sarasota, Florida, is is um, <laughs> legitimately threatening me or whether he's um, you know just being a, a fat loser. Wow, I didn't yeah. realize that was going on. I didn't really think it was all that serious. I just thought he was just screwing around. I didn't yeah, know if was... you actually search for my name, John Shaw, on there, you'll find that he's created several threads that have he'd pay to see a, a webcam with me, you know, the John Shaw death cam, all kinds of great stuff there. Well, I mean, but, if there's uh, death threats going on, I don't think you need to be paying us to get rid of him. I mean, <laughs> Free Talk Live, the Free Talk Live bulletin board system has uh, about 1,500 people participating. Most of them are fairly well-behaved. And yeah. uh, about 200,000 posts. And the whole... But point. really, what this guy wants is to be banned. The whole yeah, it point, sounds like it. Well, the whole point behind the bulletin board system is to be a relatively unmoderated forum. I think in the history of the BBS, we might have banned two people, and that was the same spammer, essentially, sp- just posting porn spam all over the BBS. 
Um, not that there's an objection to porn. There are legitimate threads about pornography on the on the forum, but uh, spamming is not allowed. There are certain things that we won't allow, and I think we shouldn't be allowing death threats. So well, that's cool. thanks, thanks a lot for your time, guys. I'll let you get back to it. Yeah, here. thank you, John. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Death threats are threats of violence, period. Yeah, I guess that should... Oh, and, uh, and, and if you're paying somebody for um, a violent act, you're you're doing it, as far as I'm concerned. I guess we should go ahead and get rid of him at this point. I guess. I mean, it it seemed... I, I didn't want to do such a thing. Should you know. we warn him first? No. Look, okay. do you warn somebody after they hit you in the mouth with something that uh, you're well, going this to... this isn't an actual... It's he's, it, 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 I'm sorry. Offering money um, to anyone, you know, making an, a blanket offer of money right. for violence against somebody is a violent act. Sorry. Okay. All right. Um, I'll try to get around to it. If not, if one of our moderators are listening and they want to take care of it, then I, as far as I'm concerned, it can be done at this point. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Chuck in Japan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hello, Chuck. Hey, hey. Hey, I was Chuck. just wondering, what's your opinion on the perfect libertarian society about animal rights? Should there be any in terms of just related to the same subject? Yeah, that's an interesting question, and I think we should go around the room here. As far as I'm concerned, animals uh, don't have rights because they don't have any responsibility. They don't respect the rights of, of others, and uh, and so they don't have them. I think that that doesn't mean they shouldn't be protected. I like dogs, and uh, I, you know, I like certain animals. And I would take very, I take very good care of any animals that are under my um, care. Um, but uh, but if somebody wants to be a sicko and abuse their animals, then I think they should be ostracized, not necessarily thrown in jail. Toby, did uh, did you have any thoughts on that? Well, personally, I think that animals are property. We do own animals, but I, I don't know. It just seems wrong for me to. I don't know. It's a subject that I'm torn on because the one's very emotional. It well, is, and I feel like there should be kind of a law against torturing your animal, but then at the same time, that's not the perfect principled statement. Well, uh, here's the question. Um, should we incarcerate somebody who has uh, tortured an animal? Or even in this case, um, you know, a, a corpse of an animal? What do you think, Chuck? Should we? I mean, I, I think it gets to the point where, I mean, what do we do to, you know, some of our fur farms and animals like that? Is it, is it dogs that we just like them more because they're cute and cuddly? Yeah, they've got those cuddly little eyes, exactly. Uh, Snakes, you can apparently kill those, no problem. Yeah, there's definitely double standards when it comes to which animals should and shouldn't be protected. Chuck, any other thoughts? Yeah, and I was just just curious about your opinion. Thanks, guys. There you go. Thank you. We appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. It's an emotional issue. People are going to get very upset about it. But, uh, you know, the fact is that I I like where Chuck was going with the the slaughterhouses, essentially. I mean, if we're going to have so-called animal rights, then wouldn't a right to life be one of the first ones that they would have? I mean, if if animal rights are anything similar to the rights that humans allegedly have, and again, I'm not even sure that it can be proven that humans have rights, uh, but presuming they do, are we going to give animals the right to life and thereby not ever kill another animal ever again? Well, what, what's that going to lead the world to? I mean, we get so many wonderful products and services as a result of being able to utilize the animal resources that we have in this world. Um, that we it would all dry up and go away. Right. If it, you know, it's the slippery slope concept. If you ban the horrible um, sexual torture of a Bengal tiger, then w- what about cows that are slaughtered for hamburger? It's true, and I really don't think that there's much of a problem with this, anyways. Most people who uh, want to torture animals are going to do so, whether the law right. is there or not. 
And I think uh, social ostracism can be pretty powerful. In fact, I don't think we talked about this on the air, Mark, but we saw an interesting example of social ostracism over the weekend on yes, our way we back did. from the Liberty Forum. And I'll, I'll bring that up here in moments. 800-259-9231 is the packet 8.net toll free line for you. Animal abuse, your thoughts on that or whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, the pack at 8.net toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there, totally free. And that does include live streams. Broadband version of the show, dial-up version, both waiting for you, both for free at freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections. They do it in a whole new way. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep those clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support FTL. All right, we were talking about animal rights. We'll get back into that. We've got to go to the phones first. Also, give you the example of ostracism that I promised. But first, to Eric in Louisiana. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hello, Eric. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Um, really quick, I want to go back to the dog story. Yes. I, I know some of you users don't like it, so I'll be quick. Um, personally, I think that... There shouldn't be any uh, – the law shouldn't distinguish between dead animals and live animals because, to me, that's unnecessary legislation. So I think if it's illegal to do that sort of thing with a live animal, I think a dead animal should kind of be treated the same, but I think the law should be done away with altogether. Okay. I see where you're coming from. I see what you're saying, that you want to, that you would do away with the law entirely, but I don't see why the law should make a distinction. I mean, in, in one case, you're um, torturing a living thing, and in another case, you're not. Yeah, but, I mean, it's kind of unnecessary legislation to have a law for live animals and then a separate law saying you can't do these things to a dead animal, too. I mean, why not just combine them and say you can't have sex with animals altogether? Well, there is no law. The law isn't actually an animal sex law. The law is a sodomy law. So it has more to do with that than anything else. Okay. Well, I think those should be done away with, too. So There you go. I agree with you. So what else is on your mind? Anything? Um, yeah, actually, I wanted to talk to you guys about labor rights. Okay. Um, this is kind of, I've called in a few times, and this is another topic that came from a legal history class I'm taking. Um, namely, we were talking about the Gilded Age, which was in the 1860s. And this is kind of like a libertarian's dream come true as far as economy goes. Basically, the government stayed completely out of economy and let businesses do whatever they wanted. Hmm. And this is when you had, um, you know, uh, Rockefeller, Carnegie, all the big corporations, cutthroat pricing, that type of thing. Okay. But it led to kind of an interesting paradox, is that, well, not a paradox, but during this time there was this thing called freedom of contract that a lot of courts were upholding. Basically that you had the freedom to create a contract with anyone you wanted as long as the two parties were consenting. As it, and it should could be. be. anything. Right. Yeah. The problem you ran into, though, is you had a lot of very rich factory workers basically going to these poor people without jobs who are starving and saying, look, I'm going to pay you, you know, this tiny little amount mm-hmm. and, you know, take it or I'm going to someone else. And there were so many workers during this time that 
you really didn't have a choice. You either took that job or, you know, you starved. So it wasn't factory workers, it was factory owners. Uh, the factory owners were, yeah, bringing forth the contract with the factory workers who they were trying to hire. Okay. Well, um, you know, that's it. It's it's sort of one of those things of the marketplace when the uh, when when there's a bunch of supply of something in this case labor, then the price of it's going to be low. And um, I, you know, I, I was uh, reading the account of Benjamin Franklin uh, going through the uh, uh, the Ireland, and he was looking at the uh, people living there, and they were essentially living in mud huts in Ireland in the uh, late 1700s. I mean, this is a terrible, terrible thing, but my God, you know, I mean, that's kind of how, that's where we came from. I mean, at one point we used to... Uh, right, the wealth wasn't there back then. Walking on two legs was tough for us, and we'd use our, our, you know, our hands and our opposable thumb to pick up a stick and, and break open the head of a carcass and eat the brains out of it. I mean, there must I mean, have been a reason these people took these jobs. It must have been better, as lousy as they were, it must have been better than their current circumstances. And so in which case, well, that, meant it was a, that meant it was an increase in wealth. But okay, I just want to know, do you guys support things like minimum wage laws that are there for the protection of people who really can't negotiate with these people because there's so much whoa, labor? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's we, not why minimum wage laws are in existence. Minimum wage laws don't work to protect the lower paid worker. They work They work to hurt the lower paid worker in most cases. Yeah, whenever minimum wage gets raised, uh, lower uh, lower wage workers end up losing their jobs. Minimum wage laws are out there to protect uh, essentially... Uh, to, uh, really, they really exist to make politicians look good. I mean, that's pretty much all they exist for, um, essentially to allow politicians to pander to voters to say, hey, you should vote for me because I'm going to raise the minimum wage because I care about people, when in fact, uh, if you care about people, you would support abolishing the minimum wage. Well, I mean, again, this is, okay, this is today, is now they exist so that, you know, for that reason. Originally, though, and this is minimum wage laws, kind of came from this time in the 1860s, where finally, at the end of this, the court said, look, we've got all these poor people, we've got tons of new immigrants coming in, these people are starving, and they really don't can't negotiate their wages with these corporations, because Why? The corporations are just going to go find someone else who's willing to work. Well, they're going to find someone else who's willing to negotiate. Look, I don't those, see what the problem those, is. Those corporations didn't put those people on boats and bring them over here. I mean, those corporations are not in any way responsible for those people and why they're here or them starving or them drawing their next breath. I mean, but the problem is the corporations are responsible for making these lowball offers. I mean, okay, let's say that there were, you know, let's take a situation now. We've got tons of illegal immigrants coming in. Mm -hmm. You go to apply for Walmart. They say, look, we'll, and say, let's get rid of minimum wage laws for a second. Yeah, they let's say, do look, that. We'll pay you two dollars. Mm -hmm. You say, "Well, no, I'm not going to work for two dollars. I'm going to go try and find a job somewhere else." Well, you know, the next, you know, the next day they hire, you know, an illegal immigrant who just got here and is looking for any type of pay. Competition. God bitch, bless them. They, you know what they just got? They got a guy who can't speak English and is not going to uh, necessarily, you know, he doesn't have a car and, and therefore has to walk to work. He's likely to get sick being out in the cold um, on that way to work. I mean, you know, Walmart just got a lesser employee by paying less. Now, and do we need to point out that Walmart pays higher than the minimum wage? Uh, no, we, we don't need to do that, but, but he's, he, just picked, um, he just picked a business, and he just picked... Yeah, uh, that was an example. Can you tell that Eric's in a college class? <laughs> I think that is clear that if I, uh, already the employees at Walmart, you don't get the best service there. If they um, further that by getting people who aren't going to speak English and going to make it harder for the shopper, they're going to lose business, people and they know that. People are going to go away. They're going to go somewhere else. That's right. They're going to go over to Target where I can ask for something. In all likelihood, Eric, which you're not going to see um, retail jobs uh, go to illegal immigrants. What you're 
you're going to see is you're going to see probably um, towns or section of towns uh, that are going to be manufacturing hubs, and those manufacturing places are going to pay lower than what we consider a living wage or minimum wage or whatever. And um, yeah, America's if if we get rid of the minimum wage, America's going to have some people in it that uh, you know don't live in the best conditions in the world. But currently, our minimum wage laws are putting people out of work. Now, I want to shift away back to um, what you're talking about. Was back was it the 1800s? Uh, yeah, about the 1860s and then onwards about to 1910s. And you made the claim that it was a relatively unregulated marketplace and that people had the uh, the ability to contract. And I'm not doubting that people had the ability to contract, but I really question whether or not it was an unregulated marketplace. For instance, malfeasance and political favors have existed since the dawn of politics. And uh, it would really shock me to find out that you could go and just open up a storefront without having some regulatory group, whether it just be the government, is what they were calling themselves at the time, coming there, demanding some sort of form of uh, of, of payment, uh, a bribe, essentially, to allow you to open your uh, your own business. So, for instance, if you were to move into an area and to discover that all of the companies in the area that were offering jobs were offering them at dramatically low rates and you thought you could do a better job, you would have been, you should be free to open up your own business and pay people more. Then you'll get the best employees and uh, you'll increase competition. But typically the existing businesses want to work together with government to prevent new businesses from opening up, to prevent that new competition. And I'd find yeah. it hard to believe that that wasn't going on, that sort of corruption, that sort of uh, political game-playing, that p- those power plays weren't going on back then. No, I mean, yeah, it was going on. But what I was saying was that compared to the times before that, and compared to the times especially after that, like today, um, that I- I- era in time, the Gilded Age, the main philosophy guiding government intervention in the marketplace was that it it shouldn't be there. And yes, it was still there, but it was a lot less so than today. I, I so. agree with that. That much is true, but I wouldn't necessarily count it out entirely. And again, if it wasn't there, then you'd be free to open up your own business and, and compete, and that's the way it should be today. If you don't think people are getting paid enough, start your own business and pay them more. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, man. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And, of course, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, and that does include the bulletin board system. As we mentioned earlier uh, this hour, lots of people participating over there, lots of interesting things to talk about, all totally free bbs.freetalklive.com. Is there a young person that's important to you? Give them financial literacy. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. The average college student graduates with $7,000 in credit card debt. That's no way to start a life. Buy them A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com or call one 800 657 That's akidsjourney.com, one 800 Six five seven five zero six six. So we just got off the phone with Eric, and I, I, I know I still have to talk about the ostracism thing, but I didn't, don't think we're really quite done with his topic. Of uh, Again, he just got apparently fresh out of his college history course, uh, business history or something like that. It was, I don't remember the exact name of it. 
But they're, of course, inculcating him with the idea that businessmen are evil, and if it weren't for the government, then uh, we'd all be making pennies today. I've heard that before. Yeah, and it's just it's just absolutely absurd. In fact, uh, we're going to go to the phones on this one, because Alexander's on the line with some comments on this issue. Uh, Alexander, you're on Free Talk Live, calling from Florida. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, great. What's up? Yeah, I've been, I have been remember hearing these little tales uh, since my high school years, and uh and the idea that the late 1800s were some kind of laissez-faire paradise, and that uh, because of that, people were laborers were uh, had horrible conditions and horrible pay. And for the most for the most part, a lot of people believe this, especially during uh, the, the beginning of the 1900s. But uh, for the most part, now historians, especially economic historians, uh, have come to realize that that's really not the case. And mm-hmm. um, in fact, in the late 1800s, the the conditions, the standard of living of individuals in the rural areas um, was horrible. I mean, people were starving, and there was real low food there. And um, what happened was the capitalists decided to, you know, go through this industrial revolution, increase capital. And uh, what happened was it increased the wages of individuals moving into the cities. So people decided to move into the cities because of the higher wages. In reality, it saved a lot of the families that were dying of starvation or, you know, decreasing the standard of living. And, um, in fact, a lot of these stories that people were in worse conditions because they were moving into the cities or moving into the factories or basically have been debunked, if not should be debunked. with Right. It's, with as I pointed out last segment, it's obviously a move up for them because you're starving in rural areas. You move into the city, you can get access to food, increase net increase in wealth. Right. Right. That's completely true. And, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, you, you hear some of the historians from back in the day saying, you know, the, how, how horrible it was that the high wages were driving the, the, the workers out of the rural, uh, out of the rural areas. And I don't see how driving them out. Yeah, it's a no, voluntary even, choice. And not even that. It's just it's it's a great thing that there's higher wages. It means they can purchase more and they have a better standard of living. And um, it really a lot of these tales really come from the socialists of the late 1800s. Sure. That were really pushing. For instance, uh, what was his name? Upton Sinclair. Um, right. The the jungle. Was, right, and it was a jungle is a horrible portrayal and just complete, you know, it was a flat-out lie of how 99% of the market was working at the time. And it was just, it was basically scare tactics to make people think that the market was working against them or mm-hmm. against their uh, interests and uh, moving people towards socialist cause. As uh, And, of course, they did a great job of it, the, the government using uh, extreme examples and playing like this is happening everywhere, um, using those as excuses to pass laws and regulate business activity, all in the so-called name of the worker, when in fact uh, the worker ends up being the one getting screwed in the long run. And clearly they still are, based on the last caller's government class I've taken. Um, not sure. government cl- college class. I'm in college right now, and I've gone through the same mantra, the same stuff over and over again. And people also, and the college teachers in this ca- in these cases, they play off of kids' ignorance about inflation as well, because they'll say, oh, these horrible corporations were only paying people a few cents an That's hour right. back in the 1800s. But a few cents, cents a lot an hour of money. was something back then. You could have bought a... a Big old meal for a handful of cents back then. You know, and uh, to some extent, um, the minimum wage drives inflation because you know if you make if you make businesses um, and uh, retail establishments pay more to manufacture and sell. No, it doesn't items. really drive inflation. Only the print, only the increase uh, in the money supply can. It, that's what yeah. inflation is. Well, help me out with this, Alexander. Then it if, rises. It raises prices. Increasing it, the minimum well, wage can raise prices. The minimum wage can raise prices for. Okay, the idea is that. 
In no way does it raise prices for specific goods, but the idea is that an inflation of the, of, of the prices in general can only happen if you have an inflation of the money supply, an increase in the money supply, because the idea is if you have to allocate more money towards paying for services like labor, that means you have to decrease your demand for other goods, therefore decreasing the prices of other things. So if there's a rise in the price of something that you have to pay for your production process, you have to therefore decrease the demand for other goods in your production process, therefore decreasing the, the price of other goods. So it artificially, it essentially what you're saying is it artificially manipulates the marketplace, is what well, it's yeah, doing. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's an artificial manipulation of prices, but it doesn't mean that the, that the entire body of prices are going to move upwards. That's, that's completely false. It only, the entire body of prices only moves upwards if you increase the supply of money. There you go. Alexander, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 1-800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line. So what a surprise. The history classes in government-influenced colleges, which 99% of them are, uh, run by socialists, are telling lies about capitalism. Not a shock. That's how I grew up thinking. Yep. And it's just not the case. If we leave it to the marketplace to decide, then wages will settle where they're supposed to be. If you don't think you're getting paid enough, then go work somewhere else. And if you can't find a job that pays you what you think you're worth, then go ahead and create your own business. <laughs> then you're not worth what you think you are That's worth. true. It's, it's the truth. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. I'd like to think I'm worth $200 an hour, but nobody's going to pay me that kind of money. Right. You know, Honda could decide that their cars are the best cars on the road, and therefore the Accords, instead of selling for $25,000, should really sell for $75,000 like a high-end BMW does. Good luck selling one of those. Well, people aren't going to pay it. Right. Of course well, but not. But wait! We have the best cars on the road. Our cars are worth more. That's because prices are set by buyers and sellers. Right. 1-800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll free line. All right, so I mentioned that we we're going to talk about an, uh, an instance of real social ostracism that we saw in action over the weekend. We are on our way home from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum on Sunday and driving along Route 9 here in, in New Hampshire. You pass a few little towns. I don't really think there's anything besides little towns between here and Concord. And so we were hungry. I wanted to stop and find something to eat, so we pulled off into this little town called uh, Hillsborough. And there's not much in Hillsborough. There's a main street. It's not much of a main street, but there's a couple places to Cue eat. the banjos. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this well, place, place has gotten a little bit smaller. It, uh, Route 9 used to go right through that town, but they just recently bypassed it. I don't think there, uh, there are banjos in uh, up north. Is that a northern thing? That's a southern thing. I think that there's banjo banjos everywhere in America. Well, anyway, we went into no. this little gas station where uh, there it was supposed to be a pizza place, but they didn't have pizza anymore. Right, there, was a, there was a sign from 1970 showing pizza. Yeah, uh, they, they hadn't had pizza in a long time. There were multiple signs uh, advertising pizza. Anyway, we got some grinders, which are also sub sandwiches. That's kind of what they call them up here. And we sat down, and we were looking. But as they were making the grinders, we were looking around the gas station, and just one kind of funny note, this gas station was, like, stuck in 1993. Seriously, they had a video rental section with v nothing but VHS tapes. Sun-bleached VHS tapes. Sun-faded from, and nothing was later than 1993, like L uh, Lorenzo's, Judgment Night. Lorenzo's oil. I mean, so, it, was, it was just amazing. It was awful. Uh, but then we got up to the counter. I looked over, as I was waiting to pay, I looked over to my left, and there's this little cork board with checks. The checks were stamped ah. NSF, no, non, non-sufficient funds. Uh, other things were stamped on the checks. Essentially refused checks that people had written 
and uh, they bounced back. And of course, the uh, the store had to pay a, a insufficient funds fee on all of these things. So essentially, the cork board says, "Do you know these people?" And there, there were the checks with the names and addresses of the people who had written these bad checks. These NSF. Uh, These scumbags, these lowlifes that were essentially engaging in check fraud? Well, anyone could have made a mistake and written one check. These guys weren't mistakes. There were six to eight checks from some of these people up there. There were six six checks from, uh, I believe, Ms. Waters and Mr. Richards. If I I don't have the names correct, I I may be wrong. I didn't take a picture of them so that I'd remember. But, um, yeah, those people... They're the bad ones. Yep. And everybody's going to make that same assumption. Um, you know, you have one check up there, and somebody might say, hey, you know, you got to check at, uh, at uh, what, what was the name of the place? Najib's. Najib's. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then, you know, you can go in and take care of the check. I've had NSF checks, but to leave somebody hanging is a, is, is a terrible thing. Right. These were people who had written, like, six checks in a week's period of time. That way they could get them all in before they could possibly clear from the bank. So they could buy a bunch of stuff and then leave town or whatever it was that they did. I'm not sure um, what happened to them, but there was a, a card from the local police department there. So in case you did know these people, you could call the cop. But I just thought it was a wonderful example of social ostracism. If I had known any of those people, would my opinion of them have dropped significantly? And if you're a business owner in another part of town, you're not going to take a check from them. Yep, exactly right. 800-259-9231 is the pack at 8.net. Toll free line. Hour number three is on the way. Rats coming up. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8.net toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free. Once again, that is freetalklive.com. As we go straight to the phones and to the fun, ladies first, to Tacoa in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Hey, Tacoa. Hi. Um, I'm not sure if... If you were the gentleman I was talking to last night... Yes, um, we invited you to call back because you'd called at the very, very end of our broadcast, and you had just started to get into your topic when we ran out of time, and I wanted to make sure that you had more time to talk about it, so I invited you back. Uh, thank you. Um, I kind of had a day to organize my thoughts, and, and I, if you've ever heard of the Rainbow Family... I have. Uh, okay, see, this is what I like about this radio station. You're free thinkers. You kind of are awake to the idea that the American dream is something you have to be asleep to believe. Um, and uh, That so, sounds like a cliché to me, but okay. Um, well, George Carlin, the comedian, said it. Ah, uh, yes. He was trying, he, I understood what he said. Anyway, I'm sorry. So you are a rainbow person. Yes, sir. Um, my family is also rainbow. Because I have a one-year-old, we're staying on a farm and helping out a friend that that is unable to do all the work that needs done. Mm-hmm. But we, um, there's the Ocala gathering is going on right now, and she's down there with my husband serving free pancakes to all the kids down there. And there's, um, and what it is is it started in '72. And it was a group of people that decided to exercise their constitutional right to peacefully gather on public land. Mm-hmm. And they decided that that National Forest would be a great spot. And it wasn't very big at first, but then the Internet helped. And yeah. 
<laughs> and so um, how big is it now well let's see this year ocala was kind of small but it can get up to three thousand people in the woods it's, now, that's not too bad. I mean, if you compare it to, like, a rock concert or something, it's nothing. But uh, 3,000 people who essentially, how long are they in the woods? How long does the Ocala um, uh, gathering last? It, it's, we have to sign a permit if it's over 65 people. Mm. <clears throat> and so um, it's two weeks, 14 days is the national limit anywhere in the country for national forests. Um, the permit signed and... The general rule is whatever you pack in, pack out. And right. so when you, you, there's usually, there could be a really big mess if people didn't take the risk of going to jail and getting tickets to stay longer and help with cleanup. And now, I'm, before you go on, I just find this group absolutely fascinating. Now, Toby and Mark, are you guys aware of the Rainbow People? I've uh, heard a little bit about them, but just a very slight bit. I had it Absolutely. Mark, I had a friend uh, who sort of uh, filled me in on to uh, what these people were all about. And let me see if I uh, – let, let me just recap rainbow people as I understand them. And then, Takoa, you can uh, correct me on whatever I'm wrong about because it's probably inevitable I'll get something wrong. But oh, as I understand perfect. it, you're, uh, you're a group of people who essentially travels around the country from, as you pointed out, one national park to the next – um, essentially, just camping out, uh, hanging out, and uh, and socializing with one another, that sort of thing. There, um, there are interesting rules that go along with the the rainbow people. Again, you travel around the country, just essentially staying in forest after forest, uh, camping out. However, there are specific rules that must be abided by should one one want to spend any time with the rainbow people. As I understand it, you um, you have to park at a certain location and then walk in the rest of the way. There aren't supposed to be any vehicles around. Uh, That's main circle, yes. Okay. Also, they they frown on having money at the yes. uh, the rainbow gatherings. Yes, because that way the government the government can tax the crap out of us if it's if it's an exchange of money. Now it does cost something to do the gathering. It costs energy. It's common courtesy to bring fire to a kitchen. It, mm -hmm. You know, it's common courtesy to if you see micro trash, you pick it up. You and like cigarette butts. Is that what you mean when you say micro trash? Yes. Cigarette butts and stuff like that, right. Um, and now, then someone will walk up to you and say, hey, empty your pockets. You empty your pockets, and they give you a piece of chocolate, which is very valuable in the woods. What I find interesting is that there are people that, I mean, there are people that travel around with the rainbow uh, gatherings all year long. Are there not? I mean, aren't there people that it's essentially their life to be rainbow people? Yes. I was, I lived for two years on the trail, and then I... Um, met my husband and we started having children and <clears throat> before I was backpacking around and now we're working on getting a school bus so that way we can feed in the cities as well as and um, feed as well in the cities in the woods. yeah um, I had a story planned to tell you um, there uh, when we were in Boise Idaho my family and I we ran into some kids that had just bought a bus but they still needed more money to set it up as a kitchen. Mm -hmm. They needed a kitchen to make their vegetarian um, vegetarian lasagna and garlic mashed potatoes and salad. And we went to the bar district in Boise and had plates and knives for everyone that we gave food to. We gave them the food, told them what our what the cause was, and and then they either donated or they just said thank you, and we gave the person a smile. So we still 
you know, a smile can be very healing. I agree with that. Now, let me ask you this, because I'm curious about how the rainbow gatherings are funded. I mean, if indeed you're traveling around all year long from forest to forest, setting up what is essentially amounts to a, uh, a food giveaway system, Who's funding this? Are there um, very are there very wealthy people behind the rainbow gatherings? That you know, people who are essentially retirees, they've got money sitting in a bank account to where they can continue to buy uh, rice and beans and that sort of thing and, and make these at every single outing. Are there people that work half the year and then the other half the year they spend going out to gatherings so they can spend the money that they earn? How does the how does the, uh, the does this get funded? Um, well, at the gathering, if you want, if people that bring money to the gathering. They pass a magic hat around, and you put your money in the magic hat. Um, they but wait, wait, to... I thought money was frowned upon. It... Well, they, they still, you have to, you can't just go to the town and steal food, or, you know, you can't, you, the magic hat goes to main supply. Some mm -hmm. people bring food in from their houses. You know, some people are weekend warriors. Right. They don't do it all the time. They just go to the closest gathering to them. Hmm. They pack in, they bring in food for main supply. The, now, um, I, now, here's another interesting issue that comes up, because when you're thinking about, okay, there are people who are giving out free food, and it's true. You can go to a rainbow gathering and go and get uh, go and eat a meal for free. Now, they, now the, the the community that goes on here, as I understand it, is very, very, t uh, very, very close knit. So, if you are, uh, for instance, identified as a uh, like a, a freeloader, for instance, somebody who's coming there, eating a bunch of food, smoking a bunch of pot, but not reciprocating anything, not helping build a bathroom, or not helping uh, to make some of the food. You, how does um, are people like that ostracized to any extent? Actually. Um See, everyone is welcome at the Rainbow Gathering, and people like that set a good example of how not to be. So one of the most favorite, famous people that you're talking about is a guy named Spirit, and he really is a total Spange. He asks for Spange? everything and does, <laughs> yeah, he asks for everything, and, and very rarely will he bring firewood. Very rarely will he haul water, because it's usually from, from the road. Mm -hmm. It uh, can be three to five-mile hike to Main Circle to where the gathering actually is. That's significant. Yeah. Now, would you say most people do cooperate and do give back and basically form a voluntary community like this? Are most yeah. people giving back, or is it just with a few freeloaders? That's that's correct. Most of the freeloaders, it, if you come in not knowing what to do and you just want to sit and watch, and you you the kitchen shout out, what, hey, we need someone to wash dishes. Hey, we need someone to cut firewood. Hey, we need, you know, they call it out, mm -hmm. and and those who want to do something can get up and do it. And and what percentage? What percentage would you say? I mean, you say most, but of anybody at any given rainbow gathering, what percentage? Are participatory and what percentage are essentially moochers? What was the word you used? Spange. 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 What percentage like, are spanges? Spangers. Um. Oh gosh, only one percent, half percent, because everyone hmm. they see what's going on and they're like, "Wow, I want to contribute. I want to plug in." So everyone plugs in where they fit in. That could be. Interesting. cigarettes for people at Nick at Night. And know? it's all voluntary. And, in fact, if you can hang on, Tacoa, I want to find out more about this. I know my, uh, my co-hosts here have other questions for you as well. And if you've got a question for Tacoa, she is a member of the Rainbow Family, Rainbow Gatherings, 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live.
This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231, the packet 8.net toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens and dozens of ladies have taken the time to send us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. You can see what I mean by heading over to shrine.freetalklive.com. That is shrine.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project, your only choice for more personal freedom, smaller, less intrusive government. To learn more about joining the Second American Revolution, go to freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As we go back to the phones, back to um, the fun and to Tacoa calling from Georgia at the moment. Now, Tacoa, are you at home or are you on the road with the Rainbow family right now? I am at home. My... um. I had to come back because I have animals to look after on the farm here. Gotcha. Now, um, we're talking to to Tacoa, and she is a member of the Rainbow family who hosts rainbow gatherings all around America. Uh, Is this this just exclusive to America, or do the Rainbow families uh, cross uh, borders? Do they go down to Mexico? Do they go to Canada? Are there Rainbow families elsewhere? Actually, there are um, international gatherings, and those gatherings last a year, I the last wow. one that I heard about was in Australia. Most Americans can't make it there, but uh, sure. but anything can be manifested, you know. Are there um, um, are there concurrent gatherings? For instance, in America, you're in Georgia right now. Let's say you said the Ocala gathering is going on now. That's Florida. Um, right. Is there another gathering going on anywhere else in the country, or is that where the action is? Just that one gathering at a time? No, actually, there are many different regionals um, at. At once, um, because it's so cold in the north, that's why Ocala is the second biggest next Mm -hmm. to the national, and usually the national, there's like 10,000 people there or Mm -hmm. more. Um, And I wanted to point out that that when you put money into a a hippie gathering, like Woodstock was free the first one, and it was, from what I heard, was a relatively good experience for most people. But now they've got Pepsi stock, and it costs all this money, and people are getting hurt, and people are having a bad time. That doesn't happen at gatherings, in the free gatherings, you know. So when you put money behind it, it makes it swag. Well, now, there's money behind it. Uh, there's money going into buying food. There's money going into tents or whatever it is that's being set up. So certainly there's still money. You're just saying, uh, for some reason, charging admission is the problem. Right, right. And so these are these are open to anybody. And what I think is interesting is that, as I understand it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but as I understand it, this is essentially an example of uh, volunteerism. As far as it's not necessarily a, it's not necessarily a market-based uh, economy. It's more of a communistic style thing. Is, is there ownership in a rainbow family? No. Um, and there's really, it's kind of controlled chaos. Everyone knows what to do, but from an outside perspective, it looks like a bunch of chaos. But somehow, you know, all the kitchens come up with food for Main Circle in the evening, which is called, um, which is called, uh, I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Now, Nicola, um what do they do at uh, Rainbow Gatherings? It seems to me that there, um, if, with that many people and giving out, Sort of, uh, you know, people preparing for. There'd be a lot of food preparation, probably some uh, acoustic guitar playing at at night. Variety uh, of instruments, I would sitting guess. around at the fire. Didgeridoos, I would expect. Is there yes. anything? What else goes on? Sex. Um, let's see. Well, Drugs. 
I'm not when you say drugs. If you mean like people huffing paint and people <laughs> sharing needles and stuff like that, kind no, of thing I would expect to find. I would expect it at a rainbow gathering, which I've never been to one. But just knowing um, some of the hippies I've known in my past, I would expect to find a, a lot of marijuana. And uh, also, I would expect to find the occasional uh, dose of LSD, maybe some MDMA. I would expect that would be about as far as it goes, though. Yeah, mushrooms. But yeah, in shrooms, order yeah. to, if you want to, if if your goal to, is to go to the gathering to get high, then you need to plug into a kitchen and work because the people that bring that stuff in treat the kitchens first because the kitchens are the ones that are providing food all day long. You this carry a cup with you all day long because everybody has food all the time. I want to go uh, two different directions here, and I know you guys have other questions as well. Talking about drugs makes me wonder about uh, undercover police infiltration as to whether or not that's happened. And then I want to jump back to uh, the issue of ownership. What sort of uh, dealings do you guys have with, I mean, considering that the marijuana and all that's around, it would seem to me that that would attract the attention of law enforcement. Has that happened in the past, or do they leave you guys alone? No, actually, I'm really glad you brought that up, because um, there, I, uh, there is a task force of forest rangers that follow us around. They sit in on the councils that decide where the next gathering is going to be. They work six months on, six months off. They know quite a few people by name. Um, and and sometimes they, they respect the culture and they will sit in and wait for the feather to be passed to them, which means that's the person that can speak naturally. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so we try to have a friendly rapport with them. If someone gets busted, we don't like all gang up on the police and 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 attack them. We just that person got busted. Sorry about your luck. That really sucks. But um, next time you won't be so careless. You know. Hmm. So has the, have the police ever infiltrated a kitchen or something like that to find out who uh, who's dealing, or do they pretty much just uh, pick off the occasional? Uh, marijuana smoker i mean how many people at any given weekend or given week or two-week period will get arrested by the police well it's they usually they it's if you have if you have a quantity and you're walking around with a bucket full of pot and you're going around to the kitchens and mm-hmm. they see you because no one shouted six up which means the police are coming then they arrest that person and they are charged with possession but usually People shout six up, and so whoever has anything or is smoking anything puts it out. I see. Now, how do you identify? I mean, if the if the law have the Leos ever been undercover? Have they ever looked like another rainbow gatherer or a rainbow? Fetties with dreadies is what we call them. Fetties with dreadies, and there have been that kind of a thing, and they. They're going after the big wigs, the big the people that are bringing in pounds and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But those people really don't get. I really haven't heard anything because a lot of it is word of mouth, and so um, it can get cha- telephoned into rumor. You know, a, a little incident turns into a huge rumor. I see. Now here's what I want to know. Also, um, I mean, if you're bringing in pounds of marijuana, you're expecting to sell it i would expect that's a fairly no. expensive I- issue and that was what i was going to go is that rainbow gatherings frown on bringing in money to buy things so how could somebody possibly even profit from selling drugs at a rainbow gathering no one's going to buy anything right well the point is not to sell it the point is is to um is you're saying thank you to the people that are cooking the food for you for the you're people that away. are playing the instrument right everything is it's given away right um amazing right. now you said there's no real ownership of anything. I'm just wondering. So, 
you don't own the guitar necessarily that you might be at the gathering that you brought that you brought could someone else potentially come up and take it from you and play some songs on it then maybe give it away to someone else or how's that how's that work actually i wouldn't doubt if that has happened before what a lovely thought um, hey, wait a minute. That's hey, my guitar. I bought that guitar. It's not a lovely thought. Now, uh, now this is where we sort of will diverge as far as I want to get back into this. And if, you, if you've got the time to call, I'll hold you over. Can you hang on? Yes. Great. Yes. Hang on. 800-259-9231. I find people uh, to be fascinating. Yep, Their lives true. are very interesting. And uh, the Rainbow People are a great example of, of a subculture in the United States that a lot of people just aren't aware of. And that's why we're exploring this with Taco. We'll find out more about ownership and your calls as well about whatever you want. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there, totally free, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, we've got them all archived right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience, an entire year's worth of programs for free at freetalklive.com. As we go back to the phones and back to the fun... It is uh, a call from someone who uh, participates in a subculture of America that I think most Americans are blissfully unaware of. They don't know, they've never heard about the Rainbow People. And we have one of those people on the line with us right now, Tacoa, calling in from Georgia. And uh, just to recap, essentially, um, Mark, how would you describe the Rainbow People for someone just tuning in? Um, hippies that drive around from uh, U.S. Uh, park to U.S. Park sharing food and uh, having you know, uh, living, communing with nature. Let's talk a little bit more about the uh, the, the communal, communistic qualities about uh, the Rainbow People. Now, it's interesting, Tacoa, that what you're doing is you're calling Free Talk Live. Now, Free Talk Live is a show that advocates the free marketplace. We want to get the government out of people's lives so people can be free to live their lives how they want so long as they don't harm anyone else. I happen to be a fan of the free market. I happen to be a capitalist personally. That doesn't mean I'm a, a bad guy. It just means that I take money and I invest it to make my business better and so I can spread this show as far and as wide as possible. Now, in the rainbow gathering world, I have a lot of respect for you guys because what you're doing is, under the free market system that we promote every night here on Free Talk Live, Organizations like you, the Rainbow People, could act- can actually exist. If you want to get into a voluntary organization with others, which is what the Rainbow Gatherings are, you're not forcing anyone to come in there. You're not forcing anyone to participate. They choose on their own volition to go and spend time at these Rainbow Gatherings. I absolutely think that that's, that's wonderful, and if it's working, as it seems like it's been for the past 30 years, I wish you guys uh, the best of luck. And it's, it's just the federal government that's uh, forcing them to get out of uh, these parks after two weeks, and the federal government that's forcing them into jail cells for possessing a plant. Right. So once again, your problems are with the feds, just like our problems are with the feds as well. And I just wanted to find out more about the, the communal aspect to uh, to this, as you pointed out last segment, there's no such thing as ownership. So if you bring a guitar and somebody uh, decides they'd like to take the guitar, and then someone else decides they'd like to take the guitar, 
you could still go back and take back your guitar. I mean, it's still, like, if I bring a guitar to the Rainbow Gathering, I might want to take it out with me. Is it possible that I could not leave with my guitar, like someone might take it and ferret it away and hide it somewhere? Well, stealing does happen. I actually had a really nice bamboo flute that was stolen from me. Um, but I wouldn't doubt if there was a person that brought an extra instrument just so they could give it away to maybe they found of someone that plays really well. That now, could, stealing, that now, now, just to point out, if there is stealing, then there must be property. Right. The people, they don't, it's not a free-for-all like, oh, this is my tent now because... I want it. It's you know during cleanup when everyone leaves, cleanup is the best time to score stuff like tents, tarps, knives, um, instruments, perhaps you know whatever that person left behind. But really, there's no ground scoring until after the gathering's over. Okay, if that so makes any sense. The communal part is only during the gathering. Once you leave, it's your guitar again. Right. I mean, you don't you don't necessarily have to give your guitar away. But if someone else in the circle wants to play a song, then, of course, everyone's going to share. But it's not something, you know, if someone got up and walked away with the guitar, then they'd be like, hey, wait a minute, that was not, you know, come back, I'm not giving it to you. Right. So you know? there, there is ownership, then, in rain, yes. during the Rainbow Gatherings. Okay, yes. that's interesting, because you yes. guys are painted as a bunch of communists, and if there's ownership, <laughs> then you couldn't possibly be um, true communists. Well, see, there's all different cultures that come together, like the Krishnas. Um, come and serve food sometimes at the gatherings. I bet you get a lot of Quakers out there as well. Are there Quakers there too? No, no? well, n- no, because those guys wouldn't really know. But there's like Christians and and Jewish people. I'm I tend to believe in Yahweh and Yahushua, and and that's what Yahushua. I try and be as much like him as possible. Normal people or other people would call him JC. I don't prefer to mm-hmm. use that name. But, um, as Mark points out several times, as Mark has pointed out several times on the show, um, if you actually look at the history uh, in regards to the Bible, his name is actually Yahushua, Is it Mark? Is that yeah. what it is? What yeah. is it? Um, not that I'm a biblical expert, I'm an atheist, but uh, nonetheless, I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Toby, did you have a question? Yeah, earlier you said um, someone comes up to you and says, "Empty your pockets." What exactly does that mean? That means give me your trash. You know, empty your pockets, as in if. If, do you have any trash? They're trash trolls. Um, what does that? I what does that do? Like, what? Why do they want your trash? Because that that way you have more room in your pockets for more trash. Because locals will come out and they don't know any better, and they'll flick their cigarettes on the ground. They'll drop yeah. the. So you this know, is a way trash. of keeping the place clean and cleaning up after you leave. Right, clean up okay. starts when the gathering begins. You know. You've got nice, nice little fun phrases. Um, now the well, there's a whole culture that's developed. There certainly is. Um, now my my question is, there's a lot of cooking that goes on, uh, firewood cutting, those kind of things. What happens if uh, you know an accident happens? Somebody cuts themselves with a saw badly, and I assume these are hand saws because they don't have extension cords out there. You might be five miles out from uh, the nearest parking. Yeah. You, do you, Do you have a cool little rhyming phrase for that one? Um. Actually, I, I don't, but I've got a few phrases for um, for later if you guys want to hear them. Okay, but, sure. Uh, the, if there's a, a Babylonians come, nurses, doctors, all types of people, um, and the hospital is called CALM. I don't know. It's an abbreviation. Yep, but uh, I actually see it here. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article. stands for Center for Alternative Living Medicine, and Babylonians hmm. are essentially people from the city or people right. who aren't normal rainbow gatherers right 
Huh, yes. very interesting. So uh, you have your own hospital. That's great. Yeah, it says yeah, here that... Uh, midwives for people that, that are about to give birth. I, is that I fairly six, common? Six years ago, I was two weeks late in Ocala, and I left 24 hours. 24 hours later, I gave birth to my son in a hospital. But they did have a midwife ready for me just in case I did go into labor. This is interesting. CALM, or Center for Alternative Living Medicine, is a primary group of healers at Rainbow Gatherings who take responsibility for the health, wellness, medical emergencies, and sanitation for those who attend these large gatherings. It's an all-volunteer, non-hierarchical group uh, hierarchical group encompassing both mainstream medicine and alternative medicine, such as allopathic and naturopathic healing modalities. It's common to find physicians working with herbalists, EMTs helping massage therapists and naturopaths, coordinating with registered nurses in regards to patient care. Uh, yes. They also work closely with Shanti Sena, as they're often first on the scene in a crisis. There's usually one main calm camp near the inner part of the gatherings and smaller first aid stations set up around the gatherings. So this is really something they've thought about, uh, apparently. Even those without medical experience are encouraged to help with things such as procuring water and cooking for the healers who are often too busy to attend main circle or visit other kitchens. In case of any emergency, calm can be contacted on FRS. So apparently there's some level of technology going on here. Family radio service radios are in use. Uh, channel 3 apparently is the emergency channel out there for the rainbow gatherings. So if you're out and something happens and you've got an FRS radio or somebody nearby does, then they can call uh, call for a response. Have you have you seen those radios in use? Yes, actually, um, the kitchen that I plugged into, um, that my the people I live with are down there. Their kitchen's called Breaking Bread, and she is um, a call member. She brought a bunch of medical supplies, extra socks um, for people that have foot injuries, um, because on occasion. Someone will be drunk, and that's, the alcohol stays at the road. There's no alcohol down into the gathering. That's another reason the gathering really? is deep in the woods, because they that way if the drunks get mean or aggro, which means aggressive, of mm-hmm. course, um, they don't want to walk five miles down into no. the woods to go Interesting. This is very interesting. Yeah. The drugs that, aren't, uh, that are legal are the ones that aren't right. allowed. That's fascinating. Yes. So... Um, um, Toby, a question about, uh, I guess, hygiene. Did yes, I was wondering, um, you said some of these um, gatherings last for up to a year. Um, where, where do you shower? Actually, you or can bathe. answer that question in a moment if you can hang on, Tacoa. Yes. We'll bring you back uh, an hour with Tacoa on the Rainbow Gatherings. It's a fascinating subculture uh, of America. And if you've got a question for her, she's going to be on the line here for uh, most of the remainder of the show. I think we have a couple of other calls that we will need to get through off topic. 800-259-9231 is the pack at 8.net toll-free line for you. If you've ever wanted to ask a question of a rainbow gatherer, now's your opportunity. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free. 800-259-9231, the pack at 8.net toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Toby. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. If you like what we're doing on Free Talk Live, you want to help support us, and head over to amp.freetalklive.com. It'll cost you all of three bucks a month if you want to get on board. But again, it's totally voluntary. So if you can't afford it for whatever reason, then enjoy all of the website features totally free. Uh, but again... If you can support it, then it makes a big difference for us, because if you send us $3 a month, as over 330 of our listeners are doing, at minimum $3 a month, that all adds up to a significant number. We're almost up to $2,500 a month coming in, and that means that we can take that money in and turn it around 
into promoting the show, getting uh, an advertise, uh, monthly advertisements in Talkers Magazine, also purchasing internet advertising to get more radio stations and more internet listeners also on board with the program, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So if that sounds interesting to you and you want to get your hands on a few perks, then head over to AMP. Dot freetalklive.com as we go back to Tacoa calling from Georgia Tacoa taking a, a little bit of time off from uh, from her rainbow family we're talking about rainbow gatherings it's a fascinating group of people um, that essentially it's a subculture in the United States and actually around the world there are European gatherings Canadian gatherings uh, just uh, international gatherings and uh, it's just a fascinating uh, group of people in Tacoa. I really appreciate you taking all your time out this evening. When I told you last night that I was seriously interested, uh, I, I was absolutely interested because it's fascinating to me what goes on out in the middle of the forest, this group that essentially travels around from place to place. Some of them come, some of them go, um, and some of them come back. And you you travel to National Forest, you set up camp for two weeks at a time, then you travel somewhere else and set up camp there, and there's, there's all kinds of, uh, I guess... Hanging out that goes on and uh, cooking and and uh, digging holes to poop in and uh, various different things. In fact, we were just going to touch on the hygiene issue. Speaking of uh, going to the bathroom and that sort of thing. And Toby, why don't you re-ask your last question for yeah. Tacoa? I'm just wondering, um, what is hygiene like there? Is it just put off for two weeks? And also, um, you said some of the places in Australia go for a full year. Um, what do you what do you do for that? Um, okay, they use bleach. Um, bleach water as hand sanitizer. Um, I'll describe the kitchen um, dishwashing. That's my main job because there's nothing like a cold morning with warm hands. Um, it's hot soapy water, rinse, hot rinse water, and then cold bleach water, but you need to only put one cap full of bleach to a whole five-gallon bucket. If you mm-hmm. use too much bleach, you're going to give everybody the runs, and that's not good. How, um, now, wait, all this water has to be packed out. I mean, it, you've got to take it from the uh, the parking area, essentially, three miles, maybe five miles into the uh, the inner circle of the uh, of the place. I mean, are there just people constantly going to to replenish water? Ho for the water runners, which means good job, guys. With locals in in Ocala this year, there there was a locals with water buffaloes. And they bring water buffaloes to the end of the road, and then the kitchens send runners with wheelbarrows and jugs um, and wagons, and they collect the water for the kitchens and then go back to the kitchens and cook. Wow. At, you... the, at, at the bathrooms, there's when you use the bathroom, you, pour, you put lime on it, you put dirt on it, you wash your hands with the hand sanitizer that's right there. Um, and so it is... It, it's a hole in the uh, ground. It, it, right. There's no porta potties out there. No, there's. It's a hole in the ground. You've got to squat. <laughs> it's usually a trench. Now flies won't go beneath three feet, so most of the the trenches are six feet deep. Hmm. Um, the uh, there's a fly connections. Poo flies food you and your brothers and sisters. So it's very encouraged for people to, you know, you get seriously yelled at. Dig deep. If you don't practice the, you know, for Kitty Village where most of the children camp, you walk in and the and the they're shouting, wash your hands right now. You have to wash your hands right away um, when you do any kind of cooking, any kind of 
um, going into the kitty camp mm-hmm. because the keeping people from getting sick is very important. It's important. So it's it's not like sanitary like we might think of it here at the amenities here that I have at home, but you guys still are keeping healthy and clean um, There's as just no much showers. as you have There's to There's no way in hell you can right. shower, though, Of right? course not. Well, there's solar showers, so there there is. They take Doc Browners and they and people will set up a solar showers, and you take turns taking showers. If you're in the woods that long, and your crusties are starting to bother you, you can shower. Your crusties? Yeah, <laughs> some people trust in the crust. I don't. Trust in the crust. Close together. That's great. Like, wow. Um, we brought in a pa- my husband brought in a pound of tobacco to give to Nick at night, mm-hmm. and they walk around um, saying, "Need a cigarette? Got a cigarette? Got a cigarette? Need a cigarette? We Jones, so you don't have to." And that's another one. That's of the what things. Nick at night is like nicotine at night. Nicotine all the time. It's the smokers that that are manifesting tobacco, so that someone that's walking by that doesn't have a cigarette that needs a cigarette can get a cigarette. Wow. Now, I had another quick question. Um, you said that you cook vegetarian meals. Are all the meals there that you guys cook vegetarian? Most of the meals, there's really only meat at front gate at the road. Um, but down in, it's all vegan or vegetarian. So there's no camp of people um, cooking up steaks or burgers or Flipping anything? Flipping burgers? <laughs> yes, at, at the front gate. With the alcohol, the alcohol, right? the alcohol stops. That's, <laughs> yeah. So that's more that's more so like the tail hamburgers. The tailgate the party is right at the gate and then if you're getting more serious you move inward. See now right. I like I like a good burger. I'm not a drinker so I'd be all right with uh, with not having alcohol around, but I do like a good juicy burger if I'm out uh, camping or something. Me too. Like I said last t- yesterday I'm an opportunivore. The opportunity arises I'm going to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. I, you know what? I'm sort of running out of questions here. I mean, uh, the Rainbow Family, Rainbow Gatherings, just an amazing group of people. What I really Thanks, think Dakota. is what I really think no is the problem. most interesting is that you all do it on a voluntary basis. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of um, non-voluntary things, how often do fights break out? How often is there some uh, instances of violence in the in the forest? That also only usually only happens at Front Gate because the alcohol, even drink. with all these dangerous the drugs. Down, well, down, you get a bunch of people. Uh, it's just a joke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we, all, we all think drugs should be completely legalized, Dakota, so uh, you're not going to find any opposition here if on that. If there's a disagreement down in the woods, there, um, and, it's, and it becomes a severe disagreement, there is a council called, and, and people will sit in to witness the disagreement and do their best to work it out, and sometimes you got to agree to disagree, and... And and go. So, is there some sort of um, arbitration? Like you say, the council comes in. Um, do they make a decision that says, "Okay, well, you, uh, Toby, you need to separate from Mark, and no more kissing, <laughs> no, or whatever." Um. Well, I, that's kind of hard to describe because it just depends on the circumstances. I right. mean, um, I I wouldn't know how to answer that. It just kind of depends on the situation. I mean, there's no. If someone's caught stealing, um, it, it's vigilante justice. You know, the person was caught stealing once, and they were stripped naked and escorted completely out of the gathering, wow. out of front gate, oh. all the way gone. Because that kind of thing. You, you guys, feel- i got to give you also credit for being fairly, uh, a nonviolent organization. I saw an amazing video on YouTube the other day of the, of the Rainbow family traveling from one place to another, and the police had lined up 
on a roadway with guns in hand, with, like, machine guns. And the Rainbow family had a video camera, so they were taping the entire thing. And essentially, the Rainbow family just uh, kept yelling, they love you, I love you, at the police. And the co- they kept walking towards the cops. The cops didn't know what to do. They ended up, the cops ended up running away and getting in their cars and leaving. And so you guys, you guys essentially killed them with kindness, and I just thought it was fantastic. Hey, Tacoa, do us a favor and uh, give us another call again sometime uh, whenever uh, something new happens with your uh, Rainbow family, interested in keeping that connection alive, and uh, tell your friends about Free Talk Live. Maybe they'll get a good free market uh, message from us, and they can combine it with their, uh, with their apparently successful version of a communal voluntary organization. Thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You can't argue with anything they're doing. They, they're happy. I mean, it's definitely not a life that I'd like to live, but as long as it's voluntary, I have absolutely no problem with it, and it seems to be working for them. We're short on time, but we're going to try to sneak in some calls on the amplifier line. Let's go to Kurt in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Toby, and Mark. Kurt in Michigan, going once. Kurt, are you there? Let's try this line. Random caller, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Actually, this is Kurt. I got cut off, so I called back. Hey, Kurt, thanks for your patience. Uh, You're on the air. What's up? Well... I believe I owe you guys an apology. Why? You've got 30 seconds. And Well, I, 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 never, I never think an apology is just, I'm sorry, so I kind of wrote a few things down. It only takes me about a minute to read. You've got 30 seconds, and so I give us the short apology. version. Okay. Uh, I'm a gold-level amplifier, yes. and I became so after, after, from the silver level after hearing a show dedicated to the law enforcement forum. Okay. Now, both times I've sent you funds, I did so with a postal money order, and although this was not the crux of my transgression, I promised to never send you funds in that fashion again. All right. When I initially became an amplifier, I emailed you three funny names from which you could choose for your website's amplifier list. We are out of time, Kurt. You're going to have to do this another time, but it's been Ian, Toby, and Mark with you. We'll be back tomorrow night online. In the meantime, at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.